Hello and welcome to Halcyon Book Club, where every two weeks we read a chapter of a spiritualist book and have a brief discussion afterwards. We will begin with a book by Brazilian medium Francisco Cândido Xavier, called Missionaries of the Light, dictated by the spirit André Luiz. If you want to jump ahead to the chapter discussion, there are time codes in the description. See you guys on the other side. On Facing the New Era As long as the story speaks about the intervention of fairies when referring to tutelary genii, hidden palaces and the wonders of an unknown forest, children are all ears, showing happiness and interest on their enwrapped faces. However, when the storyteller changes his or her approach in order to focus on instructive realities, the infantile mind retracts, upset and bored. It does not understand the promise of the future life with its work and responsibilities. Hearts that are still tender love dreams and expect easily one heroism. They prefer making the least effort possible and they do not immediately understand the divine labor involved in ongoing perfection. Hence, they withdraw, amazed and surprised, from any real teaching. Nevertheless, life is waiting for them with its unchangeable laws, and it gradually reveals the truth to them, without spectacular noises, but with the serenity of a mother. The pages by André Luiz reminds us of that image, As long as wise and benevolent spirits bring a version of heaven, thereby broadening the arena of human hope, our incarnate brothers and sisters ecstatically and joyously listen to us. It is the sublime consolation, the comfort for which they have longed. Souls gather to receive messages from heaven. On the other hand, if messengers from the higher realms reveal certain angles of the spirit life, speaking to them about work, personal effort, personal responsibility, constructive struggle, necessary study and self-improvement, they cannot hide their displeasure. Contrary to what they believed at first, they do not see a heaven of ease or a region of privilege, nor do they witness miraculous events or see restful beatitude. Instead of paradise surrounding them, They feel they are in the vicinity of an industrious workshop where workers do not evolve by means of the privilege of protectionism, but rather at the cost of their own effort. Thus, victory or defeat comes from their own conscience. They perceive the imperishable law, which, without making erroneous decisions, has control over lives in the name of the Eternal One. They understand that the seashores of divine beauty and the enchanted palaces of peace await the spirit on other vibrational continents of the universe, but they also realize that it is their responsibility to sweat and struggle, to be industrious and to improve themselves in order to reach them by swimming across the great sea of experience. Most become frightened and try to retreat. They expect a heaven of ease after the death of the body, one that may be had by means of mere doctrinal affirmations. No one, however, will gainsay the divine law. Truth will always be victorious, 
and the life eternal will continue to teach slowly with maternal patience. Christian spiritism today has a great and sublime task in the world. It is not enough simply to define its venerable characteristics as the consoler of humankind. It is also necessary to reveal its facet as a liberating movement aimed at consciences and hearts. Physical death is not the end. It is merely the next chapter in the book of evolution and improvement. At its arrival, no one should expect final and definitive solutions, for we know that 100 years of activity in the world represent but a relatively small fraction of time for any type of spiritual growth in the life eternal. An infinite field of service awaits the dedication of workers of truth and the good. Massive problems challenge the brave spirits incarnated at this time with the glorious mission of preparing the new era and contributing to the restoration of living faith and the widening of human understanding. It is crucial to come to the aid of religion and tombed in the theological archives of churches of stone and to support science, which has become a satanic genius of destruction. Victoria's spirituality is traveling the world, regenerating its moral sources and awakening individuals to a realistic picture of their acquisitions. There are new warnings calling to disbelieving men and women of the 20th century, pointing out broader horizons to them, and showing them that the spirit lives above civilizations, that war transforms or consumes in its millenary dragon-like veracity. On facing this new era, and considering the great endeavor of renewal, the cooperation of all faithful servants of truth and the good is requested so that, more than anything else, they may live the new faith, each and everyone improving and uplifting themselves on the way to a better world, so that the teachings of Christ may prevail over the mere words of fine-sounding ideologies. In the execution of this lofty task, incarnates and disincarnates of goodwill are coming together, building the bridge of light over which humankind will cross the abyss of ignorance and death. It is for this reason, dear reader, that André Luiz once again comes to you to tell you something about the divine service of the missionaries of the light and to explain that humans are eternal spirits temporarily inhabiting the living temple of terrestrial flesh, that the perispirit is not a body of nebulous mist, but rather a living structure to which physical cells are molded, that in all places the soul receives according to its personal creations that the ties of love and hatred follow us into every arena of life, that other activities besides the common struggle of everyday life are carried out by the incarnated consciousness, that reincarnation is guided by sublime spiritual powers, and that beyond the grave the soul continues to struggle and learn, to perfect itself and to serve the Lord's design, continuing to grow toward the immortal glory to which the Father has destined us. If in reading this book you become frightened, if the statements of the messenger seem revolutionary to you, turn to prayer and thank the Lord for the learning experience, asking him to clarify and enlighten you so that illusion does not keep you trapped in its web. 
Remember that the revelation of truth is progressive, and as you appeal for divine help for your soul, pay heed to the sacred duties that the earth has arranged for you each day. Be aware that the death of the body will not lead you to stagnation, but to new arenas of improvement and labor, of renewal and blessed struggle, where you will live much more and more intensely. Emmanuel, Pedro Leopoldo, City, Minas Gerais State, May 13th, 1945. Okay, everyone. So that was the introduction, only the first chapter. There are 25 chapters, and we intend to read all of them. Now we get to the part of the show where we discuss briefly about what was said. For that, I have my co-host with me, Dr. Anai Fonseca. She's a psychiatrist and Jungian analyst, and so our discussion will have a mainly psychological base. And my role will be to bring some geek culture to the discussion as well. So without further ado, I'll hand it over to Dr. Anai. Hello, everyone. So I'm here to talk to you today about Chico Xavier, a very loved Brazilian medium. He was a Christian spiritist. He was also born in 1910. And you have seen by Carolina's reading of the book, one of his first books was written in 1930, around 1930, so he was around 20 years of age. And it was, I want to point out, before the Second World War. So this is very important because uh, Chico Xavier was from the countryside of Minas Gerais, one of Brazilian states, and he had a middle school level education. And so it, it's very well known in Brazil that he didn't have the ability, if we are thinking about his education, to write all the more than 450 books that he left us from different uh, literary styles. So how come a poor and uh, not very literate person from the countrysides of Brazil, born in Pedro Leopoldo, a very tiny and small town, uh, was able to write all these books with such knowledge. Knowledge, as we've seen, for instance, in uh, great authors, spiritualist authors like Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote history of spiritualism in the past century, and so many others around the world. So uh, Chico Xavier's uh, spiritual guide presented himself to him, telling Chico that he had been in one of his past lives a Roman senator by the name Publius Lentulus. And so the first introduction, actually, of Missionaries of Light It's a, ser a series by the author, spiritual author, Andrea Luis, who presented himself to Chico, saying that he had been a doctor in Brazil in the past century, in the 19th century. And Chico psychographed a series of books by Andrea Luis with lots of very new information about the spiritual realms. So the spirit that dictates this book we're going to read is not the same that dictated the introduction I've just read, right? Exactly. Emmanuel 
uh, was Shiku's spiritual guide and has uh, dictated the introduction. And André Luiz is another spiritual author who dictated the rest of the chapters. So uh, I would like to talk to you and point out some of the topics that Emmanuel is telling us that we should pay attention to. So right in the beginning, you see that he talks about an infantile mind. Yes, very nice of him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very nice. So Emmanuel, as you know, told us that one of the main incarnations that he had, it was like a turning point in his spiritual life because in this incarnation he meets Jesus. The Roman senator one. Yes, the Roman senator. And he denies a knowledge of... I'm giving you some spoilers, okay? But We're going to read that other book as well, <laughs> further on. Emmanuel dictated some... He himself dictates some of some books to Chico Xavier about past lives, his past lives. One of them is 2,000 years ago. And uh, we get to know that he meets Jesus, that uh, I'm not going to give you guys all the spoilers, but I'm just telling you that it's very important. He meets Jesus and he denies him. And so uh, he says it's a turning point because you can choose when you are called to a greater consciousness. You can choose to go ahead and follow this path of knowledge Or you can delay your spiritual evolution. By thousands of years. By thousands of <laughs> years. We have personal choice always. It's free will. So what I want to, to point out is that he talks about infantile mind. We know that children love stories, right? Have great yes. stories. Fantastic, heroic stories. Actually, everyone loves them because... If it wasn't so, we wouldn't have like Marvel and Disney and all that blockbuster movies. Exactly, because uh, this kind of stories, legends and myths. Star Wars. Star Wars. I love Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is this kind of stories talks to us in a very deep way. Because it talks about things that um, are quite unconscious to us, like the, the hero myth. Our struggle for more consciousness, for a greater purpose in life. Right. Who doesn't dream with achieving something greater than them, themselves, right? Exactly. That's the idea. So you see that Emmanuel was already uh, trying to call our attention to this important uh, question that are we listening when the you know spirits are talking to us can be through mediums, for instance, or it can be through intuitions, uh, synchronicities, a lot of stuff that we are going to be talking about. But with which kind of mind are we listening to, this, um, to these intuitions, to these messages, to these spiritual experiences, as, you, as it happens to all of us during our lifetime? Sometimes we're just not paying attention, and it's very important especially in this time that we are living, that we pay attention to this kind of communication. So he talks about infantile mind that once wonders, like when we are children, and it's great for children. They have to imagine things. Imagination is creation. We create reality. 
we create, uh, we learn about ourselves. So we must read, we must connect to these stories. But in adulthood, we should try to listen in a different way. Searching for meaning. The search for meaning is spirituality. So what Emmanuel is telling us is, is that the infantile mind, that guys, I'm sorry to tell you, we all have an infantile mind. <laughs> And uh, we expect that when we die, things will be great forever, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. Because we, if we are listening to these stories with the infantile mind, we are fantasizing, we are connecting to something that's nice to suit us, our, you know, our soul, uh, our distressed mind, and it's great. But when we want to go further in evolution and uh, in the existential questions, who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going to? It's very important that uh, we use also our adult mind, let's say. Not every hero, actually every hero story has difficulties in them, right? So what he says about a child imagining heroism and, every, and everything else, uh, by only having good things in, associated with the image of a hero, is in itself infantile, because part of being a hero is surpassing difficulties, right? Exactly, very well put, exactly that. Uh, and, you said, and you see that he says um, the infantile mind does not understand the promise of future life, because the child's not, well, it is turned to the future in terms of energy, psychic energy and creation and imagination uh, in a certain way. And we all carry the child that we have been, that we were, within us, psychologically speaking, in our unconscious. But so when we are searching the, our improvement, as Emmanuel reminds us, we are looking for actually this future. We are looking to what makes us evolve, make us better persons. So the hero myth, for instance, is a search for consciousness, greater consciousness like in Star Wars that you said. All that Luke Skywalker goes through. The challenges first comes to term with his father, for instance, and, and the difficulties. Spoiler alert. So sorry, sorry, spoiler. <laughs> uh, three decade old spoiler, okay. <laughs> and that, um, and trying then to bring his father back to, to the light side. And when Luke begins in the first movie, looking to the horizon, that is what Emmanuel is saying. It's the infantile mind, right? Dreaming with adventure, dreaming with the future, but only in the basics of sense, only like wonder and adventure and heroism. But the, the world for him to achieve that was actually much more difficult than I guess he would have It's a great thought. analogy. Right. Yeah, it's a great analogy. It's exactly that. Because it's the ritual that we all go through. And along the way, when we are facing these Child. difficulties, then we, we get upset when we face them. Like, why do I have to face this? Exactly. Why is exactly. my life going through such a struggle? And it's part of the journey. Exactly. Part of the journey of this uh, development of uh, greater consciousness. 
And I want to remind you guys that Freud talks about the magical thinking. Freud says that uh, the religious mind is an infantile mind caught on the fears and wonders of childhood and turning to the image of a God that resembles his or her inner figure of father and the protection that the father gave the child. So when Emmanuel talks about work, responsibilities, the necessary study and self-improvement, Emmanuel is not talking about uh, magical thinking or an infantile mind. He is asking us to use our adult minds. And um, scientific researches nowadays, in the 20th and 21st century, in the medical field, uh, they are showing that the people uh, who turn to these basic existential questions that we were talking about and that uh, go to this or turn to this uh, search for spirituality, for these answers, kind of answers, they are much more adult and in a way they are actually mentally healthier. These are research in the medical field, in psychiatry, from the past 30 years that are showing this kind of data. So spiritism and spiritualism in general are modern paths to answer this kind of questions and to develop consciousness. Um, most people see the spiritualist movement of which Conan Doyle was a part of more like the flying chairs and tables and like men and women of science who were kind of led on by fake mediums and stuff like that and that it was all like nonsense in the end. So what's the difference from fake mediums and that kind of confusion that people make and Brazilian spiritism? This is a great question for us to focus on what we are talking about. We know that, and Conan Doyle talks about this in, the, in his book, that in the 19th century, it happened in the United States, it happened in Europe and Russia and a lot of other countries, a kind of a, a awakening of phenomena that have always happened in humankind. Right. We say that like, like uh, mediums, we are all in a certain way mediums because since we are spirits incarnated. You have the ability to have this higher perception. Exactly. Like Moses getting, you know, writing down, receiving from God the rules so many, so many and many millennia ago. It was a, a mediumship phenomena, we can say, because he was receiving information from the spiritual realm. Right. So this uh, always happened in humankind. Uh, the Egyptians, a lot of other civilizations, always had information coming. The Delphos Oracle. Yeah, uh, in, in Greece. In Greece, in the Apollo Temple. So many, many examples. What happened in the 19th century was a movement, Conan Doyle says, of the spiritual realm, actually. Uh, we can say, and I believe, that we were kind of ready to receive the first global awakening. Like a way of the Spirit saying, hey, we exist, we're exactly. here. Exactly. And, uh, okay, so they needed to show up. They needed in the, say, oh, we are here, so the tables move. And to do showy things for people to, like, uh, exactly, exactly. have an impact. And we say that for all intelligent effect, there must be an intelligent cause. This is science. This is scientific method. 
What happens is that, of course, we are all this mixture of light and shadow. So there will always be, at this point of humankind, um, people that take profit or they fake things, they pretend to be this or that, that they see is calling attention. But this kind of phenomenon happens anyway, and the fake news, like the fake medians, etc., it's not a denial of the phenomenon itself. So what a good science is, science is observation of the natural facts and with a rational mind. So what we see in the 18th century is that researchers and scientists as Arthur Conan Doyle, who was a medical doctor, and Allan Kardec in France, who was a teacher and a scientist also, observed this kind of phenomena that were happening with the scientific method and looking for what was fake and what, was, what wasn't. And Alain Kardec in France, uh, he writes, uh, for instance, the Spirit's book. He's cons- uh, he made the codification of the Spiritism uh, doctrine. He made like a five or six basic books, putting together all the knowledge that were, was coming through the spiritual realms, through the mediums actually, uh, from the spiritual realms. And it's funny that uh, most people only know that Arthur Conan Doyle was like a, a spiritualist and most things that he believed like a photo with a fairy on it was a fake and so oh the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes believed a bunch of fake stuff. Uh, but people usually don't talk about the things that he said and watched and observed that was actually uh, happening and People don't make the association of him with Alain Kardec normally, like in popular culture. Exactly, because of people like Freud, who opens actually the unconscious mind. He was a great thinker. He uh, helped us a lot to understand sexuality, for instance, and the, the repressed stuff in the unconscious. But since he talks about magical thinking, and, the, and as I was telling you guys, the religion's mind uh, connected to, to the infantile mind. So what happens is that for many, many decades, actually, it was thought that a researcher or a scientist who turned to uh, observe and trying to understand this kind of phenomena, the medians and the spiritual experiences, they were, as you said, they were... Oh, crazy going, people. Going a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And when we turn to books by Allan Kardec, by Conan Doyle, by Chico Xavier, we have all other great mediums like Divaldo Franco for another time that we will be discussing. So what happens when we have to read with our rational minds, with our adult minds? And not just hearsay from the internet, uh, major non-facts that people... It is very, very funny to me that most things that are known about spiritualism are one, two, three major facts that were false. And so that discredits the whole movement. And exactly. And I think it's because of fear, right? as Emmanuel was saying. Because yeah. people fear and still fear. You see, we are all so afraid of death. And why are people, you know, with all this... Um, 
with all this anxiety, without all this depression in this pandemic, for instance. Because we are, simply, we are afraid of death. And uh, the search for meaning, the development of spirituality, it frees us from this, this fear. And how come we are not going to think about this? Yeah. Do we prefer to stay like ch children, fearing things, instead of uh, reading the stuff that has already been... Searching uh, for answers. Exactly. For instance, um, let's think about all this rationally, okay? Uh, evolution, Emmanuel says evolution means what? Personal effort, development of consciousness. And he calls to us that finding, see what beautiful image, other vibrational continents of the universe. I'm a tracker. I love Star Trek. I want to find other vibrational continents of the universe. Yeah, like... We just found out recently that the majority of the universe is made of stuff we don't know <laughs> and <laughs> cannot detect with science today. So like black energy and matter, all that stuff is crazy. It makes up 80-90%, I don't know, of the universe and we just infer its existence via mathematics. And so to say that that is the end and we have no there is no other logical explanation for life and for conscience to me it's like lack of imagination <laughs> exactly and and see it's good that you talked about imagination because he's not asking us only to imagine he's asking us to rationalize to pay attention and to think psychologically you know guys that uh, carolina told you that uh, i am a psychiatrist and a jungian analyst and i have also study a lot of Freud and this kind of, all these authors. So he's simply saying, and it makes a lot of sense because it's what, uh, when we study the psyche, when we study actually us, psychologically speaking, we see that we mature, we get healthier, When we develop we, our adult personalities, we understand all the different parts that are part of us, our, the complex, the child within us, and stuff like that. So, see, what he's talking about, that the other vibrational continents of the universe is the result of that struggle for understanding and improvement. So, he's not asking us to... Uh, simply imagine, okay, we, we have to imagine that, and this is all quantum physics and physics and mathematics and astronomy, uh, because if we don't, if we had never imagined the sky and what's beyond it, we would never develop uh, um, technology to go after it. Exactly. Yes. So the thing is that Imagining, okay, but also struggling to understand and to improve ourselves. Like, go study, do your homework. Exactly. <laughs> and um, see, guys, you cannot, we cannot find something we don't know exists. It's simply that. If we don't struggle to understand, 
For instance, that as Emmanuel is saying that we are spirits living in an experience in the flesh with an ego, with a personality, but we are much, so much more beyond this experience. That's what he's calling us to pay attention to. And see what great news, not only Emmanuel, Emmanuel, but we are talking all these spirits that have come to our aid so many centuries now, that they're saying that physical death is not the end. That's a nice thing to say. <laughs> It's liberating, liberating yeah. of fear and liberating of our mind so we can go search, follow this path of understanding. This path of understanding is very personal. We cannot teach each other. We can help each other, but each of us has to find its own, uh, his or hers own answers. Yeah, because uh, one of the things that people say is like, oh, okay, so if you receive a message from a spirit like Chico Xavier, he received thousands of messages. So how come they didn't give him like the answer to the meaning of life and calculations from physics? and resolve clean energy and all the kind of stuff that we are struggling to, to find answers for. And I think it's because that would be cheating. The whole point is that they, they help us so that we can go after this answer, but we have to be the ones to go after them. That's perfect, because in the end of the introduction, Emmanuel says the revelation of truth is progressive. Right. And uh, Carl Gustav Jung, you know, I'm a Jungian analyst, he says the same thing. The revelation is progressive. Consciousness evolves progressively. And I would also like to point out that Chico Xavier, actually, um, I told you guys that he had a very poor education, but he learned a lot with his uh, spiritual guide, with Emmanuel and all the spirits that dictated books and many messages through him. And we know now, and we can talk about this another time, that uh, self-transcendence is a very important aspect of character in a personality that is, shows us when a personality is more mature. So Chico Xavier's whole life was a development of his self-transcendence and an exemplification of... Uh, this is very important because it's very typical of uh, the Spiritist in Brazil and of the message that the Spirits uh, left us, and also with Allan Kardec, uh, about charity. Because the prophet of all the 450 books that Chico Xavier psychographed were left for charity. Yeah, this is very important. He was born poor, and he died poor. Poor, I mean, he was not destitute. He didn't make an empire out of his abilities. No, or... no, he was. Very and he poor. could have because he was nationally known. He had a lot of celebrities that went after him for guidance. He had thousands and thousands of people. So if he wanted to charge for his work as a medium, he could have. And he set an example for all the mediums in Brazil. And that stays true to today that in the spiritism uh, religion, people do not charge for their work. Exactly. Because he said he was not the author of all these books and messages. 
So he, could, he couldn't have any personal gain in that. And he always acknowledged that it's registered. And many, many charitable institutions and spiritualist houses, we say, are all around Brazil that help so many people. Still to this day, exist because of the money that the books are always profiting. And that's why we can read you these chapters, because they were left to the public. So anyone can read them. Exactly. So that's why it's so important the exemplification of what we are saying, thinking. When we talk about evolution of consciousness, uh, we see that Emmanuel says that this movement, Christian spiritism and uh, spiritualism, are liberating movements that are aimed at conscious and hearts. So this is priceless. This is not something that we can profit from because it would be denying the brotherhood of man that we are all the same searching for evolution and helping each other through these experiences in the body. But when we go back to the spiritual realm, that's the basic message that spiritism and spiritualism all around the world try to wake us. Uh, and Emmanuel says that the next chapter uh, on the book of evolution and improvement is uh, this understanding that the physical death is not the end. So this is very important. He says 100 years of activity in the world represent but a relatively small fraction of time for any type of spiritual growth in the life eternal. This is very important. It's timelessness. Uh, we shouldn't worry so much with time. Time is from the material experience. This chronological time that we are talking about is, uh, belongs to this moment and to this, this experience in the flesh. Uh, I also urge you to read the Testimony of Light by Alan Graves. Then you are going to understand this, that we are talking about timelessness in the spiritual realm. And this is crucial for us to understand the, this new era that Emmanuel talks about when he talks about the restoration of a living faith and the widening of human understanding that should come to support and aid uh, the religion, the religions all around the world, and support science. So Emmanuel's basically saying, and I think that's a very different point of view to nowadays, that religions should support the development of science. So... I think that is very interesting, you know, because well, people usually say, oh, you are either a religious person or a, a scientific person. And he's saying that, no, the spiritism religion is based on concepts that you first, you have to search for meaning and invest in self-transcendence. And to reach that, you should go through science and to through developing your understanding of the world and how things work. So he doesn't separate one from, from the other. He says that both should work together in each and every person. That's correct, because science and religion are dimensions of uh, humans. They are experiences uh, in different dimensions of our experience here also. So religion is a way 
that uh, we connect to the transcendence one uh, with um, the concept of a god, of a, a being of light, uh, whatever you want to call it, actually. And it's very personal, the, the search for understanding. But the religion that you choose to practice, or don't, you know, people many times don't have religion. But the important thing is that religion uh, is supposed to help you to connect, you know, to this uh, existential questions and to practice your self-transcendence. And, of course, it comes to the aid of science and the scientists because it uh, makes you humble uh, to think uh, in a broader way, uh, makes you hypothesize. Poses questions that science can explain and can investigate. Exactly. That's the point. Uh, so it's not apart from each, because, uh, from each other, uh, science and religion. They are important parts of our human experience. And they should, and nowadays they are coming each time more uh, together to our help to understand ourselves and to understand the world we live in, to understand uh, what we are doing here, where we are supposed to go. So this is a, a beautiful image of what we are talking about. Look at what Emmanuel is saying, incarnates and disincarnates of goodwill are coming together, building the bridge of light over which humankind will cross the abyss of ignorance and death. This is science. And this is also religion in the sense of spirituality and connection to some, something big, uh, bigger than ourselves, greater than ourselves. That's very nice. That's a very nice image. Yeah, so I think we should think we should stay with it, this image and prepare ourselves to the next chapter. So everyone, uh, this is the end of our discussion for today. We'll be back in two weeks' time for the first chapter of the Missionaries of the Light book. And we'll have plenty of more discussions. If you want to reach us, the podcasts, You can reach us through our email. It's halcyonbookclub at gmail.com. Send us your suggestions and your thoughts on the chapter and our discussion. What, what other books you would like for us to read next. And I hope you all stay safe and we'll see each other in a fortnight. Have a great week.